Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It is time now for Why It Matters. Now, one of the largest applications of blockchain technology is decentralized finance or DeFi, which is dedicated to reinventing the financial system using decentralized and automated technologies. Now, DeFi is a spiritual successor to Bitcoin's purpose, allowing crypto holders to access financial services, things like loans, savings, trading, or even advanced financial instruments. It was not long before developers began creating financial services for cryptocurrencies, leading to the rise of DeFi. And recently, we've seen an explosion of decentralized option vaults or DOVs over the last year or so. Now, DOVs are effectively structured products that execute options strategies on your behalf, allowing someone to harness the power of options without having to interact with them directly. We're going to find out more about DOVs and try and understand DeFi a little bit deeper. On the line to help me out is Julian Coe, who's the CEO and co-founder of Ribbon Finance. Good morning, Julian. Morning. It's going to be a technical conversation Let's do this. But first, let's get to know your company, Ribbon Finance. Uh, Is there an interesting story behind the name of the company? Um, There actually isn't a very interesting name. I think we were were running out of names and the the original name we chose uh, was actually taken by like another company which was doing options. Okay. uh, But but in like the traditional world. So so we we had to brainstorm and, and this was the one we landed on. Uh, we started the company about two years ago now. Right. So, I mean, how did you stumble into the crypto sphere? I mean, what caught your attention here? Yeah, so I joined the crypto industry um, in 2017. I was uh, still like a college freshman. And um, the college I went to had a very strong crypto academic group. So I just got stuck in there and... Um, I, I think I, I've just been like a career crypto person. <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the crypto scene then. In your view, I suppose, very broadly speaking, what do you think are the best and worst aspects of crypto? Yeah, I think um, I'm personally a big fan of DeFi, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I think um, DeFi is maybe like the first real use case of, of blockchains where uh, people who own a bunch of assets can actually access financial services by just talking to a smart contract. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's like a huge paradigm shift in basically how people use financial services. Um, I think the, what uh, the worst part of crypto is um, whenever there's something that works, there'll be like 10 or, or 100 uh, low F uh, oh, we'll really about open source and, and um, all, all the code is basically public. So it's really easy for, for someone to spin up like a copycat of anything else. Yeah, I do want to get into that, this so-called public representation of DeFi in just a sec. But another general question, if you don't mind, your thoughts on this notion of crypto regulation? This debate has been going on for a few years now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, crypto regulation is still very nascent and every jurisdiction is trying to figure out uh, what that really means. Um so yeah, I think it's like a field that's still evolving and we don't really have very clear rules. I think even like uh, the US is starting to uh, impose new laws, but crypto companies are pushing back uh, on regulation that seems a bit uh, far-stepping. Mm. So yeah, I think this is still like an evolving thing and we won't really have that much clarity 
right now, I think it'll take a few more years. Okay, okay. So let's try and understand DeFi a little bit deeper. We talked earlier a little bit about how there seems to be this representation because it's associated with scams. As you said, it could be easy to conjure that up. It's an unfortunate reputation. Is it really a case perhaps of maybe we need to have the perspective that the future of finance is a little bit too volatile and that's why these things happen? Um, I think that's, I, I don't think that's like a super accurate thing. I think okay. uh, it is really more of the nature of how these DeFi protocols are all open source. Mm. So uh, what, what gives people confidence in these DeFi protocols is me as a developer, I can look at the code that's running uh, I, I can literally read the code and see how the protocol works uh, because it's all transparent. But the flip side of that is because I can see it, I can also copy it. So uh, uh, I think that's like two sides of the same coin. Mm. How does this then help to... Well, I mean, based on, on what you're saying, I'm assuming that this helps to transcend you know, these barriers that have been set up by your traditional financial institutions. It, it becomes an ability to look at it on a global scale. Yeah, I, I think it's also... Uh, other than sort of having a global scale, I think one of the most important pieces of how, why, why DeFi is important is because in it, it enables like developers to basically create uh, new financial products uh, from their basement effectively. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you don't need uh, to, to hire a CEO who has been in uh, finance for, for decades to, to launch one of these things. Uh, anyone can sort of, if you have like a good idea, you can sort of build it and launch it like in a weekend, uh, which obviously creates a lot of it innovation. Okay, the traditionalist jumping off the seat right now. <laughs> Your thoughts on the kind of impact that it'll have on say the derivative space or even on exchanges for that matter? Yeah, I think we have uh, in the last maybe two years, we've seen a lot of new uh, decentralized exchanges as well as like decentralized derivatives. Um, I think I, I'm personally a big fan of it. I think if you think about like what a derivative contract is, it's really just like an agreement between two parties uh, uh, on uh, uh, like basically two, two, it's a financial agreement between two parties on mm. uh, on anything, on, on like a price of future of, of any commodity or any asset. So um, we, we can actually like codify these financial agreements uh, instead of having them be o- over paper, we can actually okay. just do them over code. Okay. So I, I think it's just a natural progression of how these things will evolve in the future. And I mean, we we know for sure that, okay, if we both enter into this agreement uh, via this smart contract, we we know it will execute as we, we all hope it will. Okay. We've been painting this picture and it's a nice picture of innovation and what it means. But, I mean, it's got to come with a very buyer beware sort of a caveat because take, for example, I mean, someone from their basement can create a financial product. Take, for example, the Luna coin, a stable coin created by someone, yet it crashed. What are your thoughts on those volatile aspects? Yeah, I think um, it's sort of unavoidable that uh, when people have sort of freedom to to launch any types of financial products, there'll be some that don't work. and unfortunately, there is some that get really big before they don't work. So, yeah, for sure, I, 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 I think uh, these things will happen in um, basically in the history of, of crypto. Um, ho- hopefully, 
this sort of this kind of blow up actually just deters people from using mm. do not like systems in the future. Um, so I think for the whole industry, even though it's like a pretty bad uh, look in this point in time, I think it is sort of good long term. Yeah, somehow or rather this part kind of leads us back to that question earlier on regulation. But I suppose in looking at regulation in the future, like you mentioned, we're still years away. You've got to be really innovative about the regulation, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think there's some... <laughs> Uh, I mean, Singapore, for example, has uh, certain types of rules that are very, very clear. So, for example, crypto companies are not allowed to advertise to the public. I think that's the kind of thing that makes sense because it doesn't really like stall innovation. Uh, it just sort of prevents these types of blow-ups from like, affecting the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I think that kind of thing makes more sense than saying, oh, no one's allowed to do DeFi yeah, at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very good perspective. Julian Ko, the CEO and co-founder of Ribbon Finance, is on the line with me. Julian, I'm flying in blind here. We mentioned earlier that Ribbon is most well-known for inventing decentralized option vaults, DOVs. Okay, what are DOVs and how did this all start? Yeah, so uh, this started about two years ago. I think we 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 were sort of looking at uh, all the different yield products in crypto in DeFi and we were thinking, okay, what... All these, uh, most of the yield products in crypto at that time were sort of um, based on lending, okay. and, and and a lot of these people were incentivizing uh, these yields through sort of tokens that they were creating. And, and we we sort of thought, okay, there's no way that the only yield products that exist in crypto would be uh, sort of lending plus all, all these random tokens that people were giving out. Um, so we we sort of looked. We also looked at. Uh, a bunch of different industries and I think we saw that um, in Asia specifically there were these large uh, Bitcoin miners who were being serviced by uh, different companies so different institutional desks who were creating these structured products for Bitcoin miners for Ethereum miners that, that were effectively like yield products so we, we thought okay why why do I need to be like a Bitcoin miner who has thousands of Bitcoin before I can use one of these products? Mm. Can we actually just recreate these types of products uh, using smart contracts um, and maybe uh, let, let anyone actually use these kinds of things? So that was like the genesis of the idea. Um, the form factor of that, which basically is what uh, is called the DOV today, is basically uh, users can deposit money into a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so deposit ETH, Bitcoin, or a bunch of other assets. And um, you'll be able to sell call options against it to generate yield. So what you're doing effectively is you're giving up some being paid some yield today. And we think about this as like a sustainable business because um, you are getting paid for the risk that you're selling. You're not getting free money. This isn't like a, a magical crypto scheme that you get free money. Uh, mm. It's just really a way for you to sell a potential upside and get paid today. So so these structured products technically will change the way crypto functions. Okay, so these structured products, right? My question is, is it going to change the way crypto functions or the way people decide to get into the crypto industry? Um, I don't think it would necessarily change the way crypto functions. I think it is more like serving a use case uh, within the crypto industry. So there are people who who own a lot of ETH, a lot of Bitcoin, 
looking for this type of high yield uh, product in crypto, um, and, and this is the type of thing that fits their risk profile. So uh. they, they they finally have. Um, so we think that's like the current customer set um, and the current use case. Right. So they have a bit of an option in that sense. I guess, you know, looking at wrapping up this conversation, Julia, I do want to talk about some of the challenges and best practices for startups and VCs when it comes to Web3 and crypto. Your thoughts on building a successful and sustainable project in this business sphere? Yeah, I think um, one of the main fallacies that a lot of startups do is uh, when they launch their product, maybe it's a yield product, maybe it's an exchange or something, uh, a lot of teams tend to focus on like incentivizing user growth like crazy in the first six months. So I think if you have seen, uh, there are a lot of these crypto projects that shine extremely bright for six months and then they fall off a cliff uh, once they sort of turn off incentives. So I think we've been very focused on not using incentives for, for, for people to actually try out the product for us to know that there's real product market fit before we actually turn on these uh, incentives. So, yeah, I think it's uh, because we uh, people just get attracted to the, mm. the 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 capability of just giving out free tokens for people use your product and right, and right. they get hooked onto it. But um, we we have started to see that kind of thing go away in the last six to eight months. Okay. So I think more teams now are much more conservative in making sure they have real demand before they start incentivizing. Mm, really do that R&D in that sense, that real market fit, make sure you've got a good base case and it's sustainable before rolling out all the goodies. Exactly. Julian Co, the CEO and co-founder of Ribbon Finance on the line with me. Julian, I appreciate your time this morning. Take care and have a great day. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.